Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And with the greater and the exceeding greatness of his power, which he wrote in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, will continue to find expression through everyone. We decree that your word grows mightily on our inside. In the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we give you praise. Lift your hands and begin to praise him for answered prayer. Begin to praise him, begin to praise him. He that speaks in tongues, give it thanks very well. Begin to praise him for answered prayer. Begin to praise him for answered prayer. Madagalida barakata nikalana mana gigelede boja kele de boroko sikelia lege borokoto na kalide babambra na gele ne moza kele ne mangle de brona katile de baya. Father, we give you praise. Blessed be your holy name. In the name of Jesus. Father, we receive right now answers. And we receive right now every deposit manifested. We receive right now every grace made manifest. And in the name of Jesus, we decree that your word comes with clarity. Revelation knowledge granted every one of us. Your word comes to build us up, equip us for the, for the work ahead of us. And we rejoice that we are co-laborers together with you in the vineyard. We are your husbandry. We rejoice that we are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God before ordained that we should walk in them. So we walk in them good works. We walk in them good works. We walk in them good works. And we rejoice, Lord, that you have counted us worthy, worthy to bear your testimony, worthy to bear the message, worthy to bear, bear the, the mandate of bringing clarity, teaching and equipping men and raising disciples for the kingdom. We give you praise for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name and every believer says a powerful amen. amen. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's release our faith together as we say these words. I am born of God. I am born of the word. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle to do the word. I do the word naturally. Therefore today, I will understand the word of his grace. I will be built up. By the end of this service, I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus name. And every believer says amen like turn down. We well, want to welcome every one of you connected to this service by way of Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube, all our campuses around the world. We're glad to have everybody connected. Get ready. The word is going to build you up and you will never be the same again. Can I have a powerful amen? Is there anybody excited about the privilege to serve God? Just serve God and live for God. Can we give the Lord a shout and celebrate the opportunity we have? Glory. Amen. You can be seated with your sweet smart self this morning. Amen. We're having church unusual. 
So this morning we are still looking at why I must be in a local church and be committed there. Why I must be in a local church and be committed there. We've been on this for a few days. And I want to encourage everybody to get the CDs. It's so critical because of the things we are teaching and sharing. These are vitals to help you to help you to be able to go with what God is doing in this time in this house. Because if you do not understand the things we are teaching, you will soon be out of place. All these occasional visit to church, and you say you are a member of this church, you are occasionally visiting our church, you are a permanent visitor. You come once in a week, a program of eight days. You come once. And even that once, you don't understand anything we said. See? How, how, can, you, how can you flow in the spirit? How can you flow in the spirit of the house? You know, um, you are doing yourself a disservice. You are doing yourself a disservice. I won't waste my time on that. You should know better than that. Why I must be in a local church and be committed there? What are the scriptural reasons why I must belong to the local church? Why must I be in a church? Can't I just serve God on my own? Can't I just stay at home and serve God? After all, God does not live in physical buildings. So why must I be in a local church? And why must I be committed? Why must I be in the program from Sunday to Sunday? Why must I be in church all the time? Why must I be committed? And some of us attend church as if we are doing God a favor. We come to church as if we are doing pastor a favor. As if we are just trying to encourage God. So that God will know that people are still thinking of him. We come to church as if we are just trying to motivate God. And that the reason is because we are spiritually insensitive. When people are spiritually insensitive, what is intended to bring you benefit, suddenly you will see like doing the person that is benefiting you a favor. It's insensitivity. And when you are insensitive, you can't maximize the grace that God has made available to you. When you are insensitive, you can't get the best of God's plan for your life. When you are insensitive, you can't function in the maximum of God's design for your life. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18. Put it up for me. Matthew 16, 18. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord Jesus. I hope the person on that computer is not the person that was there yesterday. Please, somebody find out for me quickly. If it's a person, I need a different person there. Somebody quickly. One of the protocol person. Go to the studio now and make sure. Tell them I said, I don't want the person on that computer yesterday there now. Matthew 16, 18. Do you have the mic? Matthew 16, 18. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell. The word hell there is the Greek word Hades. The gates of Hades. Now the word hell there is not like hell fire. It's Hades. Hades means a place of outer darkness. Meaning, it was not a statement that was going to be post-resurrection. The gates of hell was going to be in his resurrection. That is, the gates of darkness, of the dark places, cannot stop him from rising from the dead. And don't forget, in his resurrection was the birth of the church. So, since the church has been born, it means the gates of hell did not prevail. 
So it's not like let us pray that the gates of hell cannot prevail. No, Jesus already defeated the gates of hell in that he rose again the third day. When he rose, his resurrection was a permanent defeat of the gates of darkness or the gates of hell. So the believer is born in victory. The believer is born in victory. Therefore, the believer functions from victory. That's why whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh. You are born in victory. You live from victory. You function in victory. So you cannot have church without a gathering. Yesterday we established that. You cannot have church without a gathering. When the word church is used, a gathering is required. When the word church is used, a gathering is required because church means a coming together of people who are called out. A coming together of people who are called out. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18. Please pay attention. Ephesians chapter 1 verse number 18. Ephesians chapter 1 verse number 18. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1 verse number 18. The word of God says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse Ephesians 1:18 The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that he may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints Next verse And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe according to the working of his mighty power Next verse which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Next verse. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Next verse. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Over all things to the church. Next verse. What is the church? Which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So the church is called the body of Christ, which is his body. The church is called the body of Christ. That's a very important term. The church, which is his body. It means that Christ and the gathering are one. Christ and the gathering are one. Christ and the gathering are one. In Matthew chapter 18, he says, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there in their midst. I'm there in their midst. Where two or three are gathered, I'm there in their midst. That's the church. A gathering where two or three are gathered together. That means the church refers to people gathered together. The church refers to people gathered together. So the church and Jesus are one. That will mean therefore that my identification with the church is my identification with Christ. My identification with the church is my identification with Christ. I can't say I identify with Christ and I do not identify with his body. I cannot say that I identify with Christ and I do not identify with his body. Look at Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 and 15. Ephesians 3 14 and 15. 
For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So the church is called family. The church is his body. The church is called family. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 18 and 19. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 18 and 19. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. 20. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief corner. Jesus Christ himself. I built Jesus Christ himself. So Jesus and the church are together. Give me verse 19 now. 19. Ephesians 2, 19. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Fellow citizens and of the household of God. So Jesus and the church are together. And you are the household of God. Household means family. Household means family. Look at Galatians chapter 6 verse 10. Galatians chapter 6 verse number 10. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Especially unto them who are of the household of faith or the family of faith. So the church is family. Because we have one faith, we have one father, we have one heritage, we have one family, we have one spirit, we have one Lord. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 5. We have one father, we have one faith, we have one family. Ephesians chapter 4 verse number 5. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. The church of Jesus Christ is one family. Is the word ecclesia. The church is the word in the Greek ecclesia, which means a gathering of people that are called out. Ecclesia, a gathering of people that are called out. That means we come together like this, just like we are this morning, everybody gathered here together. We come together like this is actually a demonstration of our identification with Jesus. When we gather like this physically together in one location is a demonstration of our identification with Jesus. A demonstration, very important, of identification with Christ. You cannot claim to be a Christian and you do not gather with the church. You cannot claim to be a Christian and you do not gather with the church. That's an impossible definition of the word Christian. That's an impossible definition of the word Christian. Because you cannot have Christianity without the gathering. You cannot have Christianity without the gathering. The gathering is the church. The word ecclesia. It takes three things to have the church. Number one, people. Number two, gathering. Number three, the assembly of those who are called out. People, gathering, and the assembly of those who are called out. Look at First Peter chapter 2 verse 10. First Peter chapter 2 verse number 10. First Peter chapter 2 verse number 10. Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. In time past were not a people, but now a people of God, 
which did not obtain mercy, but now have obtained mercy, the church. Look at the book of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2 verse number 1. And you hath he he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Verse 4 to 6 of the same Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 4 to 6. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 to 6. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Verse 6. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Has raised us up together and made us sit together with Christ. The church. The church is Christ and his people together. Christ and his people together. That's what we call the church. Now look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 17 and 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 17 and 18. Sorry, chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 and 18. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Next verse. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So a man that is in Christ is a new creature, or a new breed, or a new race, or a new species of being that never existed before. First John 5, 4. First John chapter 5, verse 4. Read for us First John 5, 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So the church is the gathering of the people who have overcome the world. The church is a gathering of people who are seated together with Christ. Who have been quickened together with Christ. Raised up together with Christ. Made to sit together with Christ. A gathering of these people is what we call the church. The church is a gathering of those that are regenerated. So the church is not just a collection of people all over the place. No, it's a gathering of people that have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Can somebody shout hallelujah? First Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. First Timothy 3.15 But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. You know how to behave yourself in the gathering, the house of God. You know how you ought to behave. So there is a way to behave. There is protocol to the church. There is a way to behave. You don't behave anyhow in the church. Because the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. And it is the church of the living God. The mainstay of truth. So you need to know how you ought to behave yourself in the church of God. So the house of God is the gathering. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, Brother Paul calls it the temple. He says you are the temple of God. The temple, the dwelling of God, the residence of God. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 21, 
Ephesians 2 21. Put it up for me. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 21. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. Groweth unto a holy temple. So all of us together are the temple of God. All of us together are the temple of God. And all of us individually are the temple of God. So all of us together, right now, the temple of God is assembled at 98 Waniba Road. The temple of God. Are you still in the building? So, it means you and I and others. So, we together form the house of God. You cannot have the house of God alone. You cannot have the house of God alone. There has to be a coming together to form the house of God. And so, we took time to look at Brother Paul's major emphasis, the, the, the epistles written by Brother Paul. And we say there were four major em- emphases Brother Paul had in all of his writings. Number one, soteriology, a study of salvation. Second Timothy 3.15, he said to Timothy, and that from a child you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. In Romans chapter 10, verse 8 to 10, he says, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10, he says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man and should boast. You know, Brother Paul took time to deal with the subject of salvation. Another major in the writings of Brother Paul is pneumatology. Pneumatology, a study of spirits. And you know, Jesus said God is spirit. So, you cannot know God very, you know, exact until you study the writings of Brother Paul. Man is also a spirit. You cannot know man until you study the writings of Brother Paul. Angels are spirits. You cannot understand angels until you study the writings of Brother Paul. Demons and Satan are spirits. So, if you want to understand spirits, you've got to study the writings of Brother Paul. In 1 Corinthians 12, 1, Brother Paul said, Concerning spirituals, I will not have you ignorant. Concerning spirituals, I will not have you ignorant. That means, in the writings of Brother Paul, spirits are taught. God, man, angels, demons, Satan, they are taught in their exactness. The third emphasis of Brother Paul is eschatology, a study of the end times. The spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, men will depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits, which is a doctrine of devils. And then another emphasis of Brother Paul, which is major, is ecclesiology, a study of the ecclesia, a study of the church, or a study of the called out ones. A study of the church, or a study of the called out ones. Alright, so we're going to be looking at some of these Brother Paul's teachings to help us so we can get the best out of our walk with Jesus Christ right here on earth. Brother Paul taught exhaustively on the church as he also taught on the gifts of the spirit earlier. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7 to 11, he took time to deal with the gifts of the spirit. The gifts of the spirit. Now put up for me 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 Verse number 12. 
For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. So now he begins to explain the functionality of the body of Christ using the human body as symbolic to teach on how the body of Christ as one functions. Alright, put up that scripture again for me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members and all the members of that one body be many hand, leg, toes, fingers, neck, eye, mouth, ear, hair, all makes one body. He's using the analogy of the physical body to explain the functionality of the body of Christ. Please pay attention now. Christ has members. Jesus has members. The born again man is born into a family. You cannot lay claim to salvation and reject relationship with the body. You cannot lay claim to salvation and reject relationship with the body. You can't be saved in isolation. You are saved into a family. You can't be saved in isolation. You are born into a family. Because salvation is a birth. It's called born again. You are born into a family. The family of God. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 27. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And members in particular. And members in particular. So the body of Christ refers to a gathering of believers. And we are that body of Christ. So Paul is still teaching on the body. Romans chapter 12 verse 4. Romans chapter 12 verse number 4. Romans 12 4. Put it up. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So look at it. Brother Paul now is teaching on the functionality of this body. Give me verse 5. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one member is one of another. You see that? So Brother Paul took time to talk about the body of Christ, ecclesiology. Now come with me to Galatians chapter 6 verse 10. Galatians Chapter 6, verse number 10. Galatians 6, 10. Put it up for me. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Especially unto them who are of the household or the family of faith. The family of faith. That's what brother Paul will now say in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Before he talked about the family of faith, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Put it up for me. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So you can't be restored when you don't have people who relate with you. You can't be restored. If a brother be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, meaning the brother is in the company of the spiritual. If you are in isolation, who will restore you? You have to be in the family so that when you are not doing well, other brethren that are spiritual will pick it up and put you in the right. That's one of the benefits of being in a local church. That there are people watching you. There are people looking after you. There are people interested in you. There are people who love you. And there are people who have got your back. You who are spiritual. And that's the reason why he said you are spiritual. Because everybody in the church is not spiritual. 
There are people who come to service once a month. You can't call such people spiritual. Somebody comes to Bible study once a month. How can he be spiritual? So that's why I say, ye who are spiritual. Because everybody is not spiritual. See, You who are spiritual, restore. Such a one who has been overtaken in the spirit of meekness. Because true spirituality is growth in the word of God. True spirituality is not an emotion. True spirituality is growth in the knowledge of God's word. The words I speak to you, they are spirit. So true spirituality is growth in the knowledge of God's word. You can't claim to be spiritual just because, you know, you are a Christian. No, you are spiritual because you are growing in the knowledge of God's word. That's what makes you spiritual. Somebody shout hallelujah. So, you can be restored when you don't have people who relate with you. Some Christians suffer in their Christian work because they have not identified with Christians who can help them when they have problems. They don't identify. They stay aloof. They stay isolated. And the Bible says, he that isolates himself rages against all judgment. He that isolates himself rages against all judgment. He that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall dwell in the congregation of the dead. He that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall dwell in the congregation of the dead. When unbelievers are more your friends than church people, you are living with dead people. When unbelievers are more your friends than believers, you are congregating with the dead. Because an unbeliever is dead. I don't care how intelligent he is. He is dead in sins. So when your congregation is always unbelievers, know that you are living in burial ground. You are living among dead bodies. You are functioning with dead people. That's why we cannot dismiss the assembling of ourselves together because our gathering as believers keeps us among the living. It keeps us among those that are alive, alive unto God. Teaching good? Those that are alive unto God. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. So we've seen a number of scriptures that establishes the Pauline theology was about the gathering. All Paul's letters were directed to the church gathering. Look at Philippians chapter 4 verse 15. Philippians chapter 4 verse number 15. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving. No church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. No church means no gathering. Because there are different gatherings. That means no gathering communicated with me. No local assembly communicated with me concerning giving and receiving. So the church of Jesus Christ is a major concept of Christianity. The church of Jesus Christ is a major concept of Christianity. It's not just like a hobby, hobby, you know, or optional. Going to church is my hobby. No. You know, I like going to church. No, 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 no. It's a major concept of Christianity. Coming to church is actually part of what you believe. It's actually part of your Christian life. It's part of your faith. You couldn't have Christianity without the church. So, coming to church and being committed in church is as important as any other subject of scripture. 
is as important as any other subject of scripture. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 13. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse number 13. Put it up for me. Sec, I mean, yep, yeah, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 13. But ye brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Yeah, next verse. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, know that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him. So, if there was no local gathering, Brother Paul would not tell them to note the man and not have company. Don't associate with him. Avoid him. He is in charge, but brethren are treating him with a distance. Why? That he may be ashamed. Why does he have to be ashamed? Because he's not obeying the teachings of God's word. Did you see that? Note him. Put it up again for me. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 verse number, number 14. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man. Anybody living contrary to what we're teaching and acting contrary to the things you're learning. He said, keep no company. Avoid him that he may be ashamed. So, these letters are to the gathering of believers. First Timothy and Second Timothy were written to a pastor concerning the church. Titus was a letter written to a pastor. They are called pastoral epistles. Philemon was a letter written to a brother who was serving in the church. So, if you observe carefully... All the letters, all the epistles were written with the church in mind. The local church. Yesterday I told you all the letters of Brother Paul. Romans is to a church in Rome. Corinthians is to a church in Corinth. Galatians is to a church in Galatia. Are you understanding? Local churches. First and second Thessalonians is a letter to a church in Thessalonica. Colossae is a letter to, to a church in Colossae. Uh, Ephesus is a church later to a church in Ephesians. If you observe, even the book of Revelation is to the church in Pagamos, Thyatira, church in uh, Laodicea. All those are local assemblies because God is a God of local churches. God wants us to be committed. It's God's design. The local church is God's design. People say Christianity is a personal thing. Really? <laughs> it's not personal. It's personal in the sense that you accepted the message. But the moment you accept the message, it is no more personal. It becomes about us. The moment you accept the message, you enter a family. It's no more personal. It's our thing. I don't know if I'm communicating at all. It's personal in the sense that you have to accept the message. But once you have accepted the message, Christianity is no more personal. It becomes ours because you're in a family. Now you become accountable to Jesus and you become accountable to the church. Look at Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17. Hebrews 13 17. 
Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. Obey them that have the rule over you. Talking about church authority. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 12. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 12 and 13. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord. Next verse. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. To esteem them very highly. So people are going to be accountable for your life. People are going to be accountable for your life. At the judgment seat of Christ, Jesus will be asking us for lives. Jesus will ask all of us to account for the lives that we were responsible for. Disciples we raised, people we had opportunity to evangelize to, were going to account for lives. When we begin to talk about evangelism in the course of this week, you will discover that when you have opportunity to preach to people and you refuse, their blood is in your hand. And their blood will be required from your hand if you allow them to go to hell and you did nothing about their condition. I'm going to show you with scriptures. That every man you have opportunity to preach to and you turn it down, their blood will be required from your hands if they die and go to hell. I'm going to show you with scriptures. So that you understand that one of our major mission on earth is to get people saved. One of our major assignments, the reason why you are on earth, listen, if all to Christianity is to be born again and go to heaven, the day you got born again should have died. Because the purpose has been fulfilled. You are born again now. So what are you here for? You are taken out. But there is more than being born again. You are born again to get others born again. That's why you are alive. That's why you are still alive. The mission of being on earth is not to, to, to gain titles and achieve everything that the world can offer. That's not the mission. If only our life is in, our hope is in this world, we are of all men most miserable. What shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? The other day they were listening at the assets of Kobe. You know, is it Kobe? I hope I'm pronouncing it well. Because I told you I only had the name for the first time two weeks ago. They were listing his assets. They said he left about $2 billion worth of assets. He left a mansion of over $500 million. And uh, all kinds of things. Where is he now? None of those things went with him. The only thing that has gone with him now is anything he has laid up. So when you've struggled and gathered the wealth of this world and then you want to settle down and eat and you die, you go to face Jesus. You go to face Jesus. The only thing that will speak for you in eternity is the impact you have made on the body of Christ and on souls that you preach to finish. Nothing else. It's a serious matter. You need to think about it. You need to think about it. Because when you, when you live in this world as if you have arrived, you are a fool. What did I say? You are a fool. You are a fool. You are a fool. 
I mean, I was sitting down about to just enjoy myself in the afternoon. News came up on screen that Kobe just crashed in the helicopter and died. People were in shock because he just left one place to go to another place. People saw him when he was leaving. Just few minutes. And he's dead. That's life. It's like a flower. It grows in the morning and dries up in the evening. So if what you are living for is this world, you are a fool. There's more to life than this world. We must be men of eternal value. We must be people that have understood that we're in this world on a mission to advance the kingdom of God. We're on this world, in this world on a mission to save souls and to establish God's kingdom. I mean, that's all. Jesus said it. You saw it within the week. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Lay it up. Because where your heart is, that's where your treasure is, is where your heart will be. These are things that matter. These are things that are critical. Somebody shout, I hear you. These are things that matter to us as believers. So as a born again man, you are born into a family. Brother Peter wrote to churches. First Peter 1, 1, he wrote that letter to a church. First Peter chapter 5, verse 1, he wrote that letter to the elders of which I am also an elder and a partaker of the sufferings of Christ. He was writing to the church. In First Peter 2, 17, it was a letter from Peter to the church. Brother James wrote to the church in James chapter 1. He wrote to the churches. And then in James chapter 2, he began to talk about brotherly love within the church. James who said in James chapter 5, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him call. So you must belong to a local body for you to call. You have to belong. That's the essence of being in a local assembly. And this is apostolic instruction. Let him call for the elders. When you say a believer that is in trouble and nobody is there for him, know that he has not been a good Christian. Even if he's in a church, he's not a committed person. He's not a serious person. Because no matter what, when you are in a group of believers and you identify with them very well, if something goes wrong, there will be people there for you. Is the way it functions. But when you are alone and things are happening, nobody is showing up, nobody is identified, know that you are not, you're not, you're not behaving right. Because if you are behaving right, people will identify. People will show up. People will come to your help. People will come to your aid. And I'm going to be talking about that in a few minutes. Alright? So, Brother Paul was dealing with, with all of these that has to do with our commitment in the local church. Call. At any time. Call. There are people that will come to your house 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 12 midnight because of the way you've been committed, because of your dedication to Christ and to his body. Somebody shout, I hear you. Brother Jude will say in Jude chapter 3, contend earnestly. Contend earnestly. In First John, Brother John will talk about Gaius, who showed charity and was a blessing to the body of Christ. All of these are within the local church. You need to belong to the church. Don't just come around. This is a family. Don't just come around. The church is a gathering. You must belong there. 
And if you are spirit filled, you will submit your time, your resources in the local church. You will submit them to the local church. Your time and your resources. When you are spirit filled, your level of giving in the local church will be different. Because your level of giving is your level of commitment. Your level of giving in the local church is an expression of your level of commitment to that local church. Let me be honest with you. If you are in a local church and you are not giving your money dangerously, I mean giving it radically to that church, you don't believe in that church. You don't believe in it. You are just doing it because there is nothing else to do. You invest your treasure where your heart is. If you are worshipping and not giving, you are a hypocrite. If you are worshipping and you are not giving, you are a hypocrite. Because the mark of worship is at its height when you give. The woman broke the alabaster box. They say it was wasted. Jesus says she's worshipping me. Leave her alone. The poor you will always have. This one she has done. She's preparing my body. It is worship to me. A true worshipper is a giver. And not just a giver, but a good giver at that. A true worshipper is a giver. Giving is worship. If you are not giving precious things, it means you are not serious with your commitment. If you are not giving precious things, it means you are not serious with your commitment. So, ecclesiology is a study of Christian relationships founded on the local church. Please write it down. Ecclesiology is a study of relationships, supernatural relationships. Ecclesiology is a study of supernatural relationships founded in the local church. Supernatural relationships founded in the local church. You can't just be hanging around the church. In Acts chapter 4, they went to their own company. Their own company. Just like sometimes you have some people that are just there. They went to their own company. Why? Because that is a relationship that has been built over the years. When you have built a relationship over the years and invested into a relationship over the years, you rely on that relationship. You rely on it. You depend on it. Because you know that no matter what, the kind of time you have spent in that relationship and the investment you have made in that relationship, that relationship is there for you. Relationships are expensive. They are very expensive. Relationships. Relationships are very expensive. I told you yesterday, relationship currency is higher than monetary currency. Relationship currency is higher than monetary currency. That's why the church is built on supernatural relationships. You can't just be hanging around. Nobody can survive without a local church as a believer. Nobody can survive without a local church as a believer. For me, Abel Damina, your pastor, I don't have any relationships outside the body of Christ. I don't have. Maybe a few acquaintances. Hello, hello, how are you? Bless you. 
My main relationships are believers. My main relationships are not just believers. Serious believers. Believers that are given to prayer. Believers that are given to ministry. Those are my relationships. I don't have casual relationships. People come around to waste my time. I don't have such. I don't have it. Because I don't even have the time for those kind of casual waste of time. Make it while the sun shines. Walk while it is day. Night come at when no man can walk. I don't have the time. My relationships are serious believers. There are people that I can call on and say, hey, I need prayer now. Let's pray. And you hear prayer coming out. Anybody around you that you cannot call to pray with you is a useless relationship where your spiritual life is concerned. And you don't need those people. You need people that can pray with you. You need people that know the word of God. You need people that are committed to the things of God. And you need people that can minister to you. Those are the kind of people to hang around. Those are the kind of people to have in your company. Those are the kind of people you can relax with. Those are the kind of people you can hang out with. Because these people, whether it is official or unofficial, they are building you up. Whether it's official or unofficial, they are there for you. They are building you up. And those relationships can only be found among believers. Serious believers at that. Believers that have defined their commitment to Jesus Christ. Am I communicating at all? Please, it's very important. So, relationships must be within the church. I said to you a few days ago, and take note of that. Commitment to the local church destroys selfishness. Commitment to the local church is God's device for destroying selfishness. A Christian that is not committed to the local church is a selfish Christian. Commitment to the local church is God's strategy for destroying selfishness. Many of you that are not committed to power city, you are just purely selfish. Purely selfish. You are not committed to this church. You come around at your convenience. You are celebrating and fertilizing selfishness. You are not serious. You are just hanging around to encourage us. Let me put it to your face. You are a selfish person. And very selfish at that. God's device for destroying selfishness is commitment to a local house. You think only of you. You come to church late because you don't think you need to come early. Because coming early means you will have to help in sweeping. You will have to help in arranging. You will have to help in making things happen. You know, all of that is service. When you think of it, you say, no, I will not come early. I will come late. You arrive just about when preaching will start. You leave immediately preaching is finishing. Selfish. You are worshipping yourself. You are not worshipping Christ. Because to worship Christ is to serve his people. To worship Christ is to serve his people. You come to church on a Sunday morning. You peep at the children's church. You find out, do they have enough snacks? Do they have enough things to eat? If not, you give them money. You organize things for the children. You are serving the body of Christ. You come to church, you look around. You look around. You make sure everything is working. If you discover something is not working, you target it to replace it within the week. 
you are serving Christ. Serving Christ is serving his church. You can't claim to be serving Christ. How are you serving him? He said, what you did to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Am I communicating at all? So, selfish people won't want that kind of commitment. They won't want that kind of commitment because that kind of commitment takes from them. That kind of commitment takes from them. You know, brethren suddenly are a nuisance to you. Brethren suddenly are a problem. They disturb you. Brethren suddenly, you don't have tolerance. When you see brethren, you are allergic. You feel an allergy to brethren. I need to examine your salvation. I need to really examine your salvation. Because for all that may be, we may not be having the same DNA. We may not be born of the same parents. Because if we are born of the same parents, we should be able to joyfully see one another. And we should be happy to relate you to one another. Am I talking to somebody here? Yes. If we are born of the same parents. If we are born of the same parents. Even if a brother is always in your face, you will have some level of tolerance. Some level of tolerance. Because that's what fellowship does. Fellowshipping together as the body of Christ allows people in our space. It allows people in our space. In fact, sometimes it allows people to take advantage of us. Sometimes. Because when we are relating, there are moments where we take advantage of one another. I'm not saying as a lifestyle, but there are those moments. That's what relationship comes with. A man that does not want interference should not marry. Is it not true? The moment you marry a woman, you have given up your rights for privacy. The moment you marry a woman, because marriage is a relationship, you've given up your rights for privacy. She will enter the bathroom and see you showering. She said, ah, so you have a pimple on your back. She wouldn't have done that if you were not in a relationship of that kind. So, the moment you join a church by being born again, you have given up your right for privacy. Brethren are going to come into your space. Brethren are going to visit your house without invitation. They will just appear. Bro, what did you cook? What did you cook? What did you cook? Because they have come to their brother's house. Have they not come to their brother's house? Bro, what did you cook? Did you cook something today? I am hungry. You are not ashamed when you are in your brother's house. Am I talking to somebody here? That is how we should relate with one another. You visit a family. Morning or morning or how are we? Bless you, bless you, bless you. Ah, um, The mother of the house, is there anything? The man of God is hungry. Yeah, it's part of being brethren. It's part of being brethren. It's part of being brethren. That's what we that's why we are a family. Except you are not born of God. Except you are not born of God. So now you need to make up your mind. Are you really born of God? Because that's important. It gives us the opportunity to be able to budge into each other. Of course, we respect each other, but there are moments where we budge into each other. There are moments. Well, I just feel like I want to see this brother. There are moments where I just feel like I've not seen this sister for a long time. Hey, sister, what's up? Are you okay? Bless you. We've not seen. Let's see after service. 
It's part of the family. It's part of the family. But when you find out that you are allergic to brethren, you need to check your salvation. You need to carry your salvation and put on a, is it barometer or thermometer or what? Commitment to the local church. Write this down. Destroy selfishness. Commitment to the local church destroys selfishness. Now write this down. Selfishness is the opposite of sacrifice. Selfishness is the opposite of sacrifice. Selfishness is the opposite of sacrifice. You are either sacrificing or you are selfish. You are either sacrificing or you are selfish. If you are not sacrificing, you are selfish. Jesus died because of sacrifice. He died because of sacrifice. So Christianity is built on the platform of sacrifice. Jesus died as a sacrifice. So Christianity functions on sacrifice. Christianity functions on sacrifice. 1 John 3, 16. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. We ought to lay down our lives. Why? He laid down his life for us. We ought, Christianity is built on sacrifice. Once you say, I'm a child of God, what you are saying is, I have registered for a sacrificial life. He laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our life for the brethren. It's called service. Look at it again. 2 Corinthians 5.15 Corinthians chapter 5 verse number 15 2 Corinthians 5.15 Put it up for me. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. We no longer live for ourselves. We live unto him that died for us. Sacrificial living. We live unto him that died for us. So we now live for Jesus. We don't live for ourselves alone. And we live for the brethren. So the church destroys selfishness. Service in the local church strips you of selfishness. In Acts chapter 2 verse 44, watch Acts 2.44. Acts 2.44. And all that believed were together and had all things common. They had all things common. They had all things common. Don't let people out there mess up your mind concerning the church. Don't let the secular define your narrative concerning the church. Don't. Don't let because they are of the flesh. And the natural man cannot receive the things of the spirit. So their opinion of the church cannot be your opinion. Their impression of the church cannot be your impression. Those on social media, those in the press, out there, secular people, they can't define how the church functions because first of all, they are not part of us. They don't understand our configuration. So they can't define what we do. They can't tell us what to do and they can't tell us what not to do because they didn't save us. 
they are operating at a different they are, they are far from the kingdom so they can't define how we, we we serve god we don't serve god according to our terms we serve god on his terms we serve god on his terms after you are born again and you start growing spiritually, the fruit of spiritual growth is serving God on his terms. And once you start serving God on his terms, selfishness gives way. You can't serve God in selfishness. As you grow on, you will find out that as people are growing and you are growing with them, suddenly it becomes a delight for you to serve them. You can't say you love God and you hate his body. You can't say you love a man's head and you hate from his neck to his leg. You can't love Jesus and not love his body. Jesus said, whatever you did to these ones, you did for me. Local church destroys selfishness. The local church destroys selfishness. You know, people that decide to study the Bible on the internet and do their and pastor themselves, they end up becoming a very big problem for themselves. They, don't, they want to study the Bible because there are many resources on the internet. So now they, they pastor themselves. They decide which one to read, which one not to read, which one. They are deciding for themselves. They end up becoming a wreck of themselves. They become a wreck. They become so confused. And the reason is because that's not the way to be pastored. Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he gave gifts to men and he gave pastors to pastor local churches. You can't be smarter than him. You can't be wiser than him. You can't know more than him. God's protocol is for you to find a local church and be committed. Get a pastor who will help you grow. Some will ask, can I attend any gathering? There are two critical reasons you should have on how to locate a local church. Two critical reasons you must have on how to locate a local church and be committed there for life. How to locate a local church and be committed there for life. Number one, where you receive salvation is the first major reason. Don't go to a church where salvation is not preached and salvation is not made available. The first reason to be in church is to be in a place where you receive salvation and you are established in the assurance of that salvation. That's the first reason. That's the first reason. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. In Acts chapter 2 verse 41, look at how the church, how the church emerged. Acts 2 41, put it up for me. Acts chapter 2 verse 41. Read on. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 3, souls. So on the day of Pentecost, people are now born again. Next verse. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. The moment they are born again, the next thing is they enter the local church to be taught. The next thing is they enter the local church to be taught and they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. They were attending prayer meetings. Prayer meetings. At least today, everybody prayed in this church. Everybody. Including those who have been avoiding prayer meeting. We got you to pray this morning. Even if you are frowning, 
at least you were inside the prayer. Even if you are frowning, you were inside the prayer. A brother beside you was praying and his prayer was touching you. At least you were inside prayer. Because if I had said, come for prayer meeting, you won't come. So we waited for you to arrive. We planned you and we will plan you more this year. We will plan you more. We wait for you Sunday morning. You just arrive ready to start singing and dancing. Everybody pray, pray, pray. You say, ah, I didn't plan for this. Uh, you don't have to plan for it. You don't serve God according to your terms. You serve God on his terms. Teaching good this morning. We prayed. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Glory to God. Touch your neighbor and say, I love to pray. Prayer makes power available. I didn't hear a powerful amen. They continue steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. See that. So when you receive salvation is the first reason why you join a local church. Number two, once I am saved, and I discover that in the church where I belong, I am saved, but I am not fed. I am born again. I have had the message, but I am not fed, meaning I'm not growing. I have so many unanswered questions about Christianity, and my pastor is doing nothing to supply me answers. Even when I ask my pastor privately, what about this? He tells me, don't worry. It is for mature Christians when you grow. So when you are born again in a church, where it makes Christianity look like there are, there are those in the inner caucus that have access to some information that you cannot have access to. It is time to leave that church. Their mission in your life has expired. At least you got born again there. Where you are born again is not where you must necessarily grow. I come across many people say to me, Dr. Damina, before I started listening to your teaching, I had so many questions. I asked my pastor, he could not answer. In fact, I met some people who said, the reason why I became a Muslim is because, I met a lady in New York, I've met a number of them. The reason why I became a Muslim is because Christianity had no answers to my questions. So since Christianity did not have answers to my questions, I went to Islam. At least, at least in Islam, I have been given answers, whether they are correct or not. You know, in Islam, in Islam, they say if you kill a non-Muslim, you will be in paradise. That's an answer. How do I go to paradise? Kill. That's an answer. It's an answer. It's in Islam. They met the man that had a bomb on his body. Tied a bomb on his body. And he was about to detonate a suicide bomber. An old man. They said, Baba, why do you want to do this? He said, because Islam told me that if I do this, I will sleep with seven virgins today. Me, I want to sleep with seven virgins. That's why I'm doing this. Those are answers. Whether they are right or wrong. But when you ask a pastor, so when I die now, do I travel or I stay in the grave? And he says, I don't know. Why do you want to go back to that pastor tomorrow? 
Christianity has answers to eternal matters. Except a man does not know the Bible. And a man that does not know the Bible should not pastor a church. If you are hearing me say I hear you. The mission of the church is to produce answers to questions. Answering questions is called spiritual growth. When you start learning and your questions are beginning to be answered, what is happening to you is that you are growing spiritually. The mission of the church is not motivation. Hyping you. You may be going through some fire. You may be going through some challenges. But I've got news for you. There's a God up somewhere. There's a God up somewhere. Somewhere? And you get excited. Yeah, 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 yeah. My goodness, today the church is very hot. By the time you leave service, your emotions will cool down. Then your problems will look at you again like this. Because you were hyped, but you were not equipped. You didn't hear what I said. You were hyped, but you were not equipped. But here, I won't hype you. I will equip you. You can hype yourself. I won't hype you. I will equip you. You can hype yourself. And when problems look at you like this, you tell you, idiot, come on. Because you know better. You know what to do. You've been equipped. Am I talking to somebody here? If you're understanding, shout, I hear you. The mission of the church is for the equipping of the saints. Not for the hyping of the saints. The equipping of the saints. Now, start, listen, this one I'm teaching, this I'm showing you now is very critical. And I wanted to catch it. So after salvation is spiritual growth. I will show you where people in the Bible got saved from one church. And went to another church for spiritual growth. I'll show you from the word of God. They got saved in one church and moved to another church. For example, Acts chapter 15, we have a man by the name Silas. Silas in Acts. Now, before I get to 15, look at Acts 11.27. Acts 11.27. Quickly. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. Came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. So there was a church in Jerusalem. That church in Jerusalem is where Pentecost happened. Acts 1, a tarry in Jerusalem. Tarry where? In Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Acts chapter 2. And they were together in one place where? In Jerusalem. So there was a local church in Jerusalem. And Silas was a member of the Jerusalem church. Silas got born again in Jerusalem. Are you following? Now, in that Jerusalem church, if you observe carefully, even till Acts chapter 8, Philip was a member of the Jerusalem church. In Acts chapter 6, where there was murmuring, it was the Jerusalem church. Now, but there was another church in Antioch. There was another church in a city called Antioch. And certain prophets and teachers came to Antioch from Jerusalem. Jerusalem sent some prophets and teachers to visit Antioch. Please follow this. So when they arrived at Antioch, one of them that went on that trip is the man Agabus. Agabus, he was a prophet. Look at Acts 15.27. Acts 15.27. Stay with me. 
We have sent therefore Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. They shall tell you the same things by mouth. They were sent from Jerusalem. 30. Acts 15.30 Acts 15.30 So when they were dismissed, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle. They delivered to them the epistle. 31 to 33. Acts 15. Which when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. Next verse. And Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. Next verse, 33. And after they had tarried there a space, they were let go in peace from the brethren unto the apostles. So now they were to go back to Jerusalem. Okay? And now they had encountered doctrine, sound doctrinal teaching in Antioch. They had encountered sound doctrinal teaching in Antioch. In Antioch, Silas and Judas discovered that Paul had a revelation from God that was not common to the Jerusalem church. They discovered that Paul was teaching something in Antioch that the Jerusalem church have never heard. So Judas and Silas went back to Jerusalem to share with the brethren what they had in Antioch, 34 and 35. Acts 15, 34 and 35. Notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to abide there still. Next verse. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. So now, Silas decided, I will not go back to Jerusalem. Silas decided, Jerusalem is where I got born again. Jerusalem is where I received the Holy Ghost. But I didn't grow. Questions in my Christian life had no answers till I came to Antioch. Now that I have found Antioch, I will stay in Antioch. There are families in this church who move from different parts of Nigeria to Akwaibom to stay because of Power City. They are here. Families. A man had me preach. Relocated his business. Carried his wife and children. And came to Uyo. They are living. They are more than I can count them. They are in this building right now. They are living in Akwaibom now. Not because they had an employment. Because they had something. They have moved to Akwaibom. There are many of them in this church. Both in this service and in the next service. There are people that are relocating from abroad. They are planning to move to Akwaibom. Some of them are already negotiating to buy land. To build their houses. To come to Akwaibom and live for Power City. And some of you are sitting here. You are living here. To come to church, we have to use a trailer to drag you. Families are relocating. I'm not joking. They are relocating. A businessman told me, in a short while, I want to sell half of my business. Come to a bomb, buy land. He's watching me now. He's in one of the countries abroad and he's doing very well. He said, what I hear you preach, I have never had it before. This is all I am looking for in my life. So I'm going to sell half of my business. I will come to Akwaibom, build and start another business. And I will move to live in Akwaibom. And I will follow you everywhere you go. Everywhere you go, I'll be following you. I will buy my ticket. I will fund my trip. I will just be following you because I can't get enough of this thing you are teaching. That's what happened to Silas. Once he tasted Antioch, he said, Jeru, buy you. I'm going to camp in Antioch. There is something in Antioch. Am I talking to somebody here? 
there's a sister here from Minnesota, right? Minnesota? Yeah. Minnesota in America. She came to be with us this weekend. She flew from America to come and stay here and hear the word. From America. She's sitting here. You, you just live in Utang. Utang, Utang. Where you can trek. You don't need transport fare. You can trek. Yet we have to look for wheelbarrow. And then you arrive when I am rounding up the service. And you are shining teeth that you, you manage to finally come. At least I managed. <laughs> I came late, but at least I still came. She came with her, her, her niece. She came with her niece. They paid for a hotel. They stayed in the hotel on Friday. Came to service Friday. Came to service yesterday. They are in service now. Then after today's service, they go back to America. People fly from America to attend your service. You... You, Atapo. <laughs> uh, Udoi Wang. There's one Pompo. Which one? Udon Pompo. <laughs> glory to God. I say, Glory to God. I was preaching in one state of Nigeria. A, a young man looked at me and said, Papa, is it okay for me to move my business to you? The thing you are preaching, I can no more stay away from it. I said, if it's movable, he's in Uyo now. He moved his whole business to Uyo. He's been in church since last year, October. He lives here now. He's no more in, in that state. I don't want to be specific because they're here. He moved his whole family. They are not in Aquaibom number one for business. They are in Aquaibom number one for church. Business is number two. Am I talking to somebody here? These people that are relocating to Uyo are your judgment. They are the ones that are going to judge you. People that are relocating to come and live in Aquaibom for the same word you are hearing. They are your judgment. They are the ones that have come to judge you. And they are coming in their numbers. In their numbers. They are relocating in their numbers. Their judgment. Their judgment. See, if you don't value what you have, let us come and help you enjoy it. They are your judgment. And such people, when they come here, they are on fire. They are on fire. So that's why a head of department that is not serious cannot be a head of department for such people. You can't be a head of department for such people who relocated with their family to come here number one for this church. Then you are their head of department. You come to church once in two weeks. It will be ungodly. It will be unheavenly. It will be unjesusly for you to be the head of department. I'm teaching here. If you're hearing me say, I hear you. Yeah? Jerusalem did not know the time of their visitation. Jesus wept over them. He stood over Jerusalem and wept. He wept over Jerusalem. He said, oh Jerusalem, you don't know the time of your visitation. You've missed your time of visitation. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Wept over Jerusalem. It's a wake up call for everybody. It's a wake up call. Silas stayed back. Look at verse 40. 40 of Acts 15. Acts 15. Acts chapter 15. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. After Silas had stayed for some time, Silas became Paul's companion. 
Look at because of his seriousness, he now became a companion of Paul. Don't you have the song Paul and Silas? They sang the Holy Ghost. Paul and what? Eh? Paul and Silas. Because Silas relocated and his commitment to the word of God was obvious. He became the PA to brother Paul. They were going around together preaching. That's one example of somebody who got born again in one church but for spiritual growth went to another church. I must die in my mother's church. Die now. Die. Mother's church where you cannot even explain salvation. You can't explain John 3.16 and you're still bragging about your mother's church. Your mother's church has been there since your mother was born till now and they cannot explain salvation and you're happy to stay there. They can't explain John 3.16. John 3.16, they can't explain it. Another person that left his mother's church to follow is Timothy. Timothy. Timothy was born again with his grandmother and mother long ago before he met Paul. When he met Paul, he relocated. Those are doctrinal examples. Those are doctrinal examples. That for the cause of God's word, your relationships can be affected. Your relationships can be affected because of the word of God. The word of God can affect your marital decision. Marital decision. Don't marry a sister that is not committed to this kind of word. And don't marry a brother that is not committed to this kind of word. Oh. Don't oh, is a pastoral advice. So that both you and me can be saved from unnecessary counseling. Don't. Don't. The teaching of God's word defines our relationships. There are people we cannot relate with because of what we know. Am I teaching here? There are people we cannot relate with. Let me say this to you. Do you know that Brother Nelson, eh? you know Brother Nelson, Brother Nelson has a biological father. Okay? His relationship with his biological father has helped him to be who he is. But that's where it ends. I and Brother Nelson don't have any biological, natural history. But we have spiritual history. He's born again, I'm born again, we are family. Our relationship together is supernatural. The one he has with his father is natural. The one he has with his father cannot help him fulfill the plan of God. The one he has with his father cannot help him live out the plan of God. No way. The only one that can help him live out the plan of God is the one he has with me. God's plans are fulfilled by supernatural relationships. God's plan for your life, not your plan for yourself. God's plan for your life can only be fulfilled via the instrumentality of supernatural relationships. So you cannot afford to jeopardize supernatural relationships. You cannot afford to play with supernatural relationships. You can't afford it. You can't treat supernatural relationships with dishonor. And you can't treat supernatural relationships carelessly. To, to play with supernatural relationships is to play with the plan of God for your life. To play with supernatural relationships is to play with the plan of God for your life. 
You must never forsake supernatural relationships. You can never fulfill your assignment outside of where God has put you. Many people are struggling with ministry because they are in the wrong place. God put you in the church, gave you ministry. And if you run away, you have run away from your ministry. If you run away, you have run away from your ministry. For example, Power City has a bigger assignment than our individual assignment. But it is in this big assignment called Power City that you fulfill your individual assignment. The big assignment of this church is for all of us. But everybody has a part to play. When you play that part, you are fulfilling the plan of God for your life. And that is what Jesus will reward you for. That is what Jesus will reward you for. I've had people say, don't follow a man. That's total nonsense. In Christianity, we follow men. In Christianity, we follow men. That's why it is called discipleship. A disciple is one who follows you. Paul said, follow me. Follow me. Follow. We follow men in Christianity. Say, I hear you. I say, say, I hear you. You will never fail. I'm not hearing that amen. I'm not hearing that amen. So if you're in a church where salvation is made available, spiritual growth is made available, you have arrived. You stay there. You grow. And part of growth, you serve. You stay there, you grow, you serve. Service is ministry. He that descended is he that ascended. When he ascended, he gave gifts to men for the perfecting of the saints. And when men are being perfected, they do the work of the ministry. You commit to this house. You commit to discipleship. You commit to evangelism. You commit to service. You commit to service. Amen. The local church is where you receive salvation and where you grow spiritually. But if all they give you is salvation, then you've got to leave to go to where you have spiritual growth. Because spiritual growth is where you will ultimately fulfill the plan of God for your life. Somebody bless this morning. Shout a powerful amen. amen. I didn't hear your amen. amen. Stand on your feet this morning. Stand on your feet. I want to pray for you. Stand on your feet. I want to pray for you. Please turn to your neighbor and say, brother, sister, whoever is standing beside you. We're in a supernatural relationship. We relate with one another because we are born of one father. Our spiritual relationship is superior to any natural relationships we have. This is where it matters because we are eternally together. We're in this life together. And after this life, we are together in Christ. This is superior relationship. Therefore, I honor you. And I will honor you. I will honor our relationship in this house. I will not accept dishonor. And I will not treat you with dishonor. Because it will take honor to receive. I want to receive every grace every supply, every benefit 
I can get from you. Therefore, I treat our relationship with uttermost honor because honor will always receive from the Lord. I didn't hear a powerful amen. Honor will always receive from the Lord. Listen, let me tell you something. Something important. Do you know that everything you need in this world is in this church? Everything you need. Everything you need. If you want to see President Buhari, there is somebody in this church that can get you to see him. I'm not joking. You may not know the person doesn't mean he's not here. If you need a job, there are people in this church that know where there are jobs. But the reason why you're not aware is because you're not maximizing the relationships we have. When we begin to maximize the relationships we have, we'll just find out very soon that all we need is here. All we need is within the body. God has enriched the body. The body has everything we need. So that's why the way you treat relationships will determine how much you get out of it. You didn't hear that. The way you treat relationships will determine how much you get out of relationships. So treat the relationships we have in this house with honor. And treat this house with honor. Treat the ministry you have in this house with honor. So that you yourself can enjoy value from these relationships. You won't fail in Jesus name. Father, I pray for everybody this morning. Thank you for the privilege to learn and to be equipped. Thank you for the things we are learning in this church that makes us better, makes us fulfill our ministries and fulfill your purpose for our lives. I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice that the enemy never takes advantage of anyone in this house. Anyone watching online, anyone in our campuses, the enemy never takes advantage of you. We are not ignorant of his devices. Therefore, I decree that you are kept by the power of God. You are strengthened with might by the spirit. And in the name of Jesus, you are sustained by the grace of God. I decree that the word of God finds freedom through you and finds expression through you. I decree that the word of God is glorified in your life. I decree that the purpose of God is made manifest through you. In the name of Jesus, I declare that grace abound towards everyone under the sound of my voice. You will always have sufficiency in all things. You are bound unto every good work. Great grace is upon you today. In Jesus precious name. And every believer says that amen on a note of finality. Can we celebrate the word of God with a shout in the building? That doesn't look like the kind of shout that we should be celebrate glory 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 amen Woo! get a good offering this morning let's honor the word of god we give sacrificially we give intentionally and we give knowing exactly that we are laying treasures in heaven for ourselves we give intentionally knowing that we are laying treasures in heaven for ourselves. Those of you online, it's time to give. Those of you in our campuses, it's time to give. And I want to pray right now. Father, we give in faith. We give with joy. Thank you for the privilege of giving today. Our offerings rise a sweet smell before you. And we thank you that together as a church, we are laying up treasure for ourselves in heaven. And we rejoice that our givings advances the kingdom. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer in this service shouts a powerful amen. amen. Listen to me online. We're signing you up, but listen carefully. Listen carefully. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday this week, 
we continue this conference. You have tomorrow and Tuesday to take care of all your other businesses. But from Wednesday evening, we are back again because this training continues until we are able to arrive at something. This training continues. So, online campuses, our eyes are on the ball. We are committed to this because we believe in what God wants to do with us this year. So, everybody, get ready for this. Our campuses, we love you. We leave all of you in the able hands of our coordinators. And everybody else, you don't want to miss what I will teach at 11 o'clock as I continue teaching on why I must be committed in the local church and why I must belong to one. We love you guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. Let's celebrate viewers around the world. Praise God. Amen. I said amen. Alright, listen, because of time, we just move quickly and drop your...